Hey, everyone. You're listening to On the House with Spartan, an ad-free podcast brought to you by a full-service turnkey company. I'm your host, Lindsay Davis, CEO and co-founder of Spartan Invest. On this show, we talk about all things real estate, from market patterns, industry insight, construction, property management, and other investment avenues. We hope you'll join as we dive into today's episode of On the House with Spartan. Well, we're here today uh, on this episode of On the House with Spartan. Uh, We have a special episode today. I am hosting for Lindsay. She let me do this, put her trust in me. Hopefully I don't Hopefully I don't mess that up. So, <laughs> um, good stuff. But we are here with Isabel Guarino today. Um, she is going to tell us all about the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Um, Jesse actually introduced me to this whole concept, and she learned about your business through Keith Weinhold, who's a partner of ours, um, his podcast. So we were super excited to make that connection, connect the dots, and um, we've actually got Isabel um, doing a uh, spot at our Spartan Summit as well, uh, talk there. So we're super excited to have you. Isabel, tell us a little bit more about the Residential Assisted Living Academy and about you and, you know, all, all of the fun stuff about that. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. And I really look forward to being at the upcoming event. Um, our training academy is all about exactly that, teaching real estate investors and entrepreneurs how to start, own, and operate their very own residential assisted living homes. So single family homes, usually upscale homes in nice parts of town, but they're being used to house anywhere from six to 16 seniors in the one home. So it's kind of another alternative to a big facility that we might see. So it's a great real estate investment opportunity, a good opportunity for people if they haven't thought about where their own loved ones are going to have to go or where they're going to have to go. It's kind of an all-encompassing answer right there for us. So I love doing this. I got started in this business with my dad. Uh, He had been a real estate investor for 40 years and my grandmother needed care. And that's kind of how we fell into this. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to share a whole bunch more about it. Yeah, what a cool, what a cool model. You know, we all know somebody who has had the need for assisted living. And it is such a it's such a sensitive subject when it's somebody that's close to you. You want to make sure they have the best care, but also being able to combine it, combine it with an investment opportunity is is really brilliant. You know, you're you're really getting the best of both worlds. And I obviously know a lot about real estate investment and turnkey and um, the tenant side of things, but I am definitely a newcomer to this model. Um, and I'm super excited to learn more about it and hear all about it. So tell, tell me, I've seen a lot of content of yours and you guys talk a lot about do good, do well. Um, I want to hear more about that and what that means to you, um, in relation to your business. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of ways that people can make money nowadays, right? Like everyone's, you know, making money in real estate or starting their own business or whether it's working for the man, whatever it is, but there's so many different ways that you can make money. And sometimes I think investors get to the point where they're like, 
hey, I've made money and now I'm ready to like give back, to have an impact, to change my community. And that's where residential assisted living comes in because it's really that opportunity to do good and do well, make a lot of money, but also really make a big impact. And I don't just mean an impact with the seniors. I also mean, just like we talked about with your own family, right? We started because my grandmother was going to need it. And now I have a place that if my parent, you know, my mom ever needs care, she can go in there. And if I ever need it, I can go and I can leave a blessing to my children in that way. Um, But you can also give back to the caregivers. I don't know how much you know about the big boxes, right? The Brookdale Sunrise Atriums, but their ratios of care are usually like 30 seniors to one uh, caregiver. And those caregivers, they're completely overworked and just breaking their backs, trying to do what they can to give back to these seniors when they come to our homes and it's four to one or five to one, and it's in a luxury upscale mansion. They're like, Oh heck yeah. I want to come work for you. So, um, it's a way to give back to your family, seniors in your community and caregivers who, you know, really are amazing people who have such a heart for this industry. So it's that balance of making a whole lot of money, but also being able to make an impact. I love that. I love that so much. And that was actually one of the questions we were going to talk about is tell us about the difference between the big box, the commercialized, you know, the big residential care facilities versus what you do. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that the care ratios and things like that. That's that's yeah. amazing that you can get such more hands on care. I love that. So tell us more about how the investment model works and, you know, how, how you would get started. I know we're really, we're just diving right into the hard questions, but how, like how much capital do you need and really where do you start? And, you know, tell us about the the model a little bit more. Yeah, there's there's kind of four ways that you could get involved. One is buying land and building a custom home from the ground up. So for all the listeners who are kind of maybe in the Midwest, I know the events coming up in Alabama, but I don't know if people invest elsewhere. So there's still land available in a whole lot of states. So buying land, building custom from the ground up is one way to go. You can also buy regular single family home and convert it to become. We'd be looking for something larger. And obviously that cost and timeline is going to depend on the cost of real estate in your area and then the cost of what renovation you're going to be doing. So are you adding 2000 square feet or just chopping it up differently? That is going to really, really range. The third way that you can get involved is to buy an existing RAL home. So buy the real estate, buy the business, you're up and running cash flowing day one. There's 30,000 of these care homes that exist across the country. And many of them are run kind of mom and pop style where maybe a caregiver or the manager's living in the home. And that's not what we do. And it's not what I show, you know, our students to do, but that is what's out there very commonly. And a lot of times you can buy those underperforming businesses, turn them around, and now you're up and running right away. So again, That would be the cost of the real estate and then the business. And then last but not least, you can get involved on either side of this leasing. You can either be the operator who's going to lease the home from the landlord, right? And and run the business in the home, or you could be the landlord just owning the real estate, leasing it to someone who's going to do this. So there's kind of quite a few ways to get involved and they all have different timelines and price points, which is always difficult because I hate the answer. It depends, but it really does depend on your area and kind of where you're starting in which of those um, sections. 
Yeah, absolutely. I can totally understand that now. Um, that was also kind of leads me into another question that's really relevant to that. You know, what is the demand? Obviously, there's a high demand for assisted care, um, but the supply and and I guess for me personally, I didn't know that these more like niche facilities existed because I've never had to, I've, I've been very blessed, haven't had to explore that yet, obviously with aging populations, family members, that kind of thing. I'm sure, you know, it's not something um, I won't be familiar with in the, in the future, but just, I didn't realize that this was a thing. And so the demand for, is there enough supply with all of the aging population? We've been reading a lot of articles lately about the baby boomers and the large wealth transfer that's happening. And, you know, the population as a whole, just aging. So what is the demand like and the supply out there? Is that one of the things that makes us an attractive model? Absolutely. We call it the silver tsunami of seniors because they're coming and we cannot stop it, much like a tsunami, right? It, yes. it just hits the shore and takes over. Right now, there's 10,000 or 10,000 seniors every single day turning 65, 4,000 people every single day turning 85. We are currently 1.3 million beds short with assisted living today. Um, and the baby boomers aren't in assisted living yet. Right now, it's the silent generation. There's only 46 million of them, but there's 76 million baby boomers. So we are 1.3 million beds short. We're about to double the amount of seniors who need that care. And the NIC is projecting that we're only building about 50,000 beds per year. So it is a major crisis in our country, in your potential family in the future, but also in our world. It was World War II that knocked, you know, the baby boomers, whoop, they skyrocketed, skyrocketed up to the top. And that's really where this came from. So it's not just an American problem we're going to be having. It's a worldwide problem. There is not enough beds for these seniors. Um, and so it's a really, really, in my opinion, big opportunity. And in other people's, it's going to be a huge crisis, but it depends what side of the coin it flips on for you. Yeah. And like you said, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity also to do, do good in the community too. If there's the need for this and there's just not the opportunity to be able to, you know, bring more beds and bring more opportunity for a healthy and safe living space for the, for the aging population, for sure. Um, so with this happening with this in the really near future, us being able to see this, how do you see the industry evolving and, um, you know, what are the trends that you're seeing in this, in this industry? It's been interesting because uh, during COVID, right, like 2020 and, and those years, we had a big light shined on the assisted living industry, people taking a look at something that maybe they'd never thought about before. Um, and it really, in my opinion, exposed a lot of bad things that were happening in the big facilities. And prior to 2020, we would go to senior housing industry events and kind of we were like, oh, you're the small guys, right? Because uh, we represent usually 16 beds or less. So even though that's over 65% of the beds that exist, we're the majority, but we're so niche and people, you know, just think we're so small, right? These are owners of Brookdale's who have 3000 beds. And so they kind of laugh at us. But when COVID happened, they got so much bad press and less than 3% of COVID cases were yeah. in RAL homes. So 
we had people who were ripping their loved ones out of the big facilities, begging to come into our homes because they started to realize smaller is better when it comes to this type of care. And uh, the mistreatment and the neglect that the seniors were getting in the big facilities, it was terrible. But in a positive way for us, it really showed everyone that, hey, this the system is broken. We can't have that inequality of care. So many seniors to just one caregiver having so many seniors in one building, there becomes neglect and you have people coming and going. And so disease and bacteria can spread a lot better and easier than in a smaller home where everything's a lot more contained. Um, it really was a good thing for us. And we got to kind of live life as normal because we always have the same people coming and going. It's not a random caregiver coming to do that shift. So it was a good thing for us. So I do see the trends kind of leaning towards smaller is better. If you notice, some of the big facilities are starting to buy lots and almost turn them into like a faux neighborhood with the with smaller things or make them look more home-like right everyone's really going for that well we aren't home-like we're a home and I think that's what really separates us but it's also where the trends are going so I think it's right on the money yeah I think that that I didn't even think about COVID and all the bad you know the bad press around the nursing homes and the living the assisted living facilities but once you said that it's you know, it's even though COVID is, you know, behind us for the most part, you still have the flu every year that you have to be aware of with the aging population. Like you have all these other things that you still have that you have to deal with every single year when it happens. So that is that is right on the money. So great in so many different regards for what you guys do. So what what are some is there are there any common myths associated with what you do or you know any real roadblocks to getting started like what are the what are the hesitations that you see that are out there when you start talking to somebody new that doesn't know anything about this they're like well well hold on what you know this is too good to be true what are tell me some of that yeah i think in general this industry has a lot of roadblocks. And I talk about that very candidly um, in our trainings, because it's really important for people to know that if they're going to get into this, it's not going to be the easiest thing that they've ever done. There's a reason that the reward is so high, right? It's because the risk and what it takes to get there is also high. And these are people's lives at stake. So it's not something that you can really handle lightly. You need to make sure you're really doing your due diligence, you know, becoming a licensed home, following all of the state procedures and rules and regulations and really dotting your T's and crossing your I's, whatever that is. I'm saying the opposite, but you know, <laughs> um, but it's that it's that situation where you have to really know what you're doing and make sure you educate yourself beforehand. I think some of the big things that turn people off right away is they say, well, I can't do this in, in my town because everyone has an HOA, right? Well, mm -hmm. because of the Federal Fair Housing Act, it's actually discriminatory to say that you can't do an RAL in any neighborhood. So that's a federal law that trumps any city, state, county, angry neighbor or HOA because um, these people are a protected class. When you move into assisted living, you need help with usually three to five activities of daily living. So getting up, brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, bathing, showering, eating, taking medication, 
at that point, you're considered disabled if you need help with three to five of those. And so they're a protected class. So they can't deny us from having it in any neighborhood, even an HOA. Um, and I think that's a big fallacy that a lot of people think when they first hear about this concept. Yeah, that's really good. I didn't even think about didn't even think about that at all. Obviously, we deal with fair housing here a lot with tenants and neighborhoods and and all of that stuff. We're very cautious of it and always want to make sure we're doing all the right things. So I didn't even didn't even connect the dots there. But yeah, I, w- I can see people being like, oh, I don't want to do that because what if they say no or whatever? But, you know, they seniors need care, too. Like we need they all need housing. So for sure. OK, so um, it's an active investment. At first, that's what you teach people how to do. You teach them the ins and outs, the operations, all of that. Talk about the path to making it passive where you don't have to be quite as involved um, and hands-on. What does that look like? What is that timeline like? Um, Curious about that path forward. Yeah. In the beginning, when you're setting up or starting this business, it is going to be way more active or hands-on because you're going to be applying for the license, hiring your managers and caregivers, doing the marketing, right? Buying and renovating the home, getting it, you know, approved through the fire marshal and all those different things. But once it's up and running, your assisted uh, or I should say your facility manager, they are really kind of in real estate worlds, we call them the property manager, right? They really take care of everything on the day-to-day basis, hiring and firing your caregivers, training and retaining them, sometimes payroll, touring families through, doing resident intake, all sorts of different things. So once the home's up and running and you've hired all those key players, really they can kind of take it from there. And then you can start to slowly back off more and more and more to hopefully you get to the point that me and my family are at where we do one phone call a week with our manager and we visit our homes every other month. And that's it. I mean, that's pretty passive to me. And all three of our homes are cash flowing anywhere between 10 and about $18,000 a month. Um, And we have one manager who oversees them all. And that's really who we're communicating in that regard. But in the beginning, it's a lot of work. And that timeline is going to vary based on which way you're getting started. If you're buying land, that could be a year to two years, right? But if you're leasing, you could be up and running a lot faster or buying an existing business up and running a lot faster, usually three to six months for those. So that timeline and then really getting comfortable with that manager, that is your key hire in this industry. And so where did, this is not what I was going to ask, but I'm curious now because you said that, like, do you recruit from the big box um, typically or like, where do you, how do you find great people to run these places? I imagine that's kind of a, you know, kind of an, again, a niche like position that you can't just be like, oh, you've had experience doing this. Like, unless you take somebody from there's There's kind of a lot of different ways. You can go on LinkedIn, Craigslist, jobs.com, all sorts of job websites and post stuff Mm -hmm. and possibly get some recommendations from there. You can go to your local um, manager um, licensing place. Sometimes it's a community college. Sometimes it's an online course and get a list of fresh graduates that may you know, be looking for a job. You can get a caregiver who you say, I'm going to invest in you. They want to be a manager, but maybe don't have the funds to go to the school and you pay for them to go to the school to get that level of licensing. Maybe they are coming from a big box. It, they could be coming from another home. It's, it's a very tight knit industry and word of mouth is kind of everything. Reputation everything. Uh So 
talking with people in the industry, hospice agents, placement agents, geriatric doctors and nurse, elder law attorneys, um, all those people are going to be great resources for you. And then we always encourage our students to befriend the other care homeowners near them, because when you're full, you want to be able to send a great recommendation to the next best home. And when they're full, you want them to send you that recommendation. Well, if you're not friendly with them, you're not getting that yeah. business one way or another. So well, you should always befriend them. And there might be an administrator or manager who's not a great fit for Joe Schmo's home down the road, but they are a great fit for yours. Um, and so there could be some symbiotic relationships there. Love that. Got to keep all those relationships fresh and got to keep that in mind always. So, and then marketing. So how do you market your, your beds? You are, I guess is what you call them or rooms. Um, Cause it's not, I guess, Google, of course you Google assisted living and I'm sure all the big, the big boys yeah. pop up. And I mean, again, I didn't even know really that this was a, a a thing. So right. how do you get the word out that you have this really great, uh, I would say better product than the big box, you know, how do you, how do you let people know about your vacancies that you have available space? I, I love that you're like, I didn't even know about it because it's it. <laughs> true because so many, I sound so that. silly saying that, but I really, you are not alone. Most people say that because the thing is we don't usually have a sign out front. And so you're just driving by a regular home, like on your drive home today, right? You could drive by 10 of them and you may never know because they look like a regular home. There's not a ton of cars out front. There's no sign out front. So marketing does play a huge, huge role. Um, and we always think of it like this. The senior, the 85 plus year old grandma, grandpa, they're not looking for the care, right? They probably don't even want to move in if we're being honest. They, they're the ones that are like hiding. No, I don't need that. I don't need that. Yep. It's <laughs> Good old child, right? Yeah. It's the daughter, Judy, usually ages like 50 to 70. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who's like, Hey, mom or dad needs this care. Right. And we affectionately call it daughter, Judy, but daughter, Judy, right. Where does a 50 to 70 year old spend their time? Maybe on Facebook, right. Mm -hmm. Maybe on different websites like that. So definitely having an online presence, like you said, a Google page, a Facebook page, all all of those different things are important, but then also working with local placement agents. So mm -hmm. when a senior falls and breaks their hip and the doctor says they cannot go home alone, the doctor will connect the family with a placement agent who basically says, Hey, what price point are you looking for? What location, what amenities, you know, all this stuff, they take the information, they go gather, Hey, these are the three homes I recommend for you. Sometimes they'll tour them with you almost like a realtor. Um, and if you choose one of those homes, then um, that, fa that family, right. They're going to start moving into your home or that senior, I should say, sh will start moving into your home. You as the homeowner, you owe the placement agent, maybe I one see. month's rent. Okay. Or half of a month's rent. It's something yeah, similar to like a real estate agent trying to lease in a house. Okay. Exactly. So there's now, a now I'm speaking the language here. Now I get the lingo. <laughs> you do need an online presence and you do need relationships with all sorts of local right. people, but placement agents are a great way to fill your home fast. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So your academy teaches people how to do this. And then you also mentioned like sending, giving some of the caretakers like education, things like that. Does your academy also educate caretakers or just people who are wanting to get started in the industry? 
So at the RAL Academy, we focus on the business owners, right? So okay. the people who want to own the real estate or own the business or both and what they need to know to get started. But for caregiver training, we do have another sister company, which is the RAL National Association. Uh, it's the only association that represents all 30,000 of these smaller care homes. And we do have continuing education there on memory care and dementia training, um, all sorts of different stuff, cannabis within the home. There's a lot of fun topics, but it's kind oh, of, sure. <laughs> but it's a lot of extra stuff for those caregivers. Um, so if they come trained through your state and you're a member of the Ariel National Association, you can get them that higher level of education. I love that. Okay. Very cool. So last question. I don't want to keep you too long here today. I'm just, I'm so intrigued. I'm learning so much. Yeah. I have like a hundred more questions for you. <laughs> um, first step, like if I'm like, Hey, I love this. This is so cool. What is my first step? What do I do? What do you, you know, you're the expert here. I'm the newcomer. What's my first step? I'm always going to say in any venture that you go into, the first step is to educate yourself because um, if you don't know what you're doing, there's a lot of mistakes to be made along the way. Um, and we obviously provide great trainings online and in person. You guys can find out more information at residentialassistedlivingacademy.com. When you go there, there is free webinars. There's um, free books there for you. You can schedule a call with me or one of my team members just to chat more about the different opportunities and how you can get involved. But definitely educate yourself. Um, and then, you know, once you kind of know everything you need to know, my first uh, tip for you is going to be location. We've got to pick a planet, pick a country, pick a city, state, whatever. Where are you going to do this? And finding that perfect location is going to be that next step. Location, 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 right? I guess that's across all industries. You get the right location, you're set up for success. Well, I love that. Thank you so much, because I definitely want to check that out, um, you know, just as on the whole, you know, we're all about investor education and we want our investors and all of our listeners to have success and really just be knowledgeable about other avenues because at the end of the day, education equals success. And we're all about, you know, spreading the word and learning different things. You know, different people have different risk profiles and different interests and different personal connections with things. So we just really like to explore all of the topics, but we are super excited to have you um, coming to Huntsville in October to speak to our Spartan Summit attendees. We actually have a special um, discount code today for Isabel. It's going to be R-A-L-A 23, RALA 23 for a 20% uh, off. Wow, Jesse was feeling very generous on that one. So, <laughs> um, But yes, again, education equals success. We are so thankful that you uh, were able to join us today educate our listeners and myself on this really awesome investment opportunity and really just way to give back in general um, and way to contribute um, in the future. So we're super excited about your summit speaking engagement and then also just to have you on today and have this um, for reference and to get our listeners some additional education. So I love Any it. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys in October. I'm really, really excited for this event. It sounds like it's going to be an awesome one. Um, and I'll just leave you with that. Do good and do well. We'll see you do there. Good, do well. We love it. Thank you so much, Isabel. Thank you.